0: Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way
1: for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space. So you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with
0: advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co.
1: At podgo.co. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co
0: at podgo.co.
2: Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 157th and final expedition into nerdom? Preparing for launch bitch bitchin' rockabilly track Priming engines Preparing vaccinations for 2021 Unencrypting files for Comics TV Movies Wrestling Launching ANS in 3 2
0: 1
1: Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is
0: Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd All right, welcome to our annual year in review. Um, This episode, we're going to be covering our favorites of 2020 in film, television, horror, video games, and of course, wrestling. So, I mean, even with this past year being a complete fucking nightmare, like we're literally living in an episode of Black Mirror, um, there's actually been some great content out there, like entertainment-wise. And that's what this episode is all about. I mean, we're going to be talking about just our favorites from this past year and maybe some things that we didn't quite like, Um, but you know, just a brief reminder, this countdown isn't meant to be like a full review show. Uh, We did that the last 52 episodes, (laughs) you know, this year. So, you know, go ahead and check out those episodes you know, everything's time stamped. You can find out, you know, where we did what review. Um, you know, that's what the archive's for. Um, and also spoilers. Yes. All right? It's a, a year in review. So, I mean, obviously, we're going to be talking about some shit. Exactly. So I'm that's not going to you. edit them out <laughs> at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're giving you a warning right now. If you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this show. Uh, you know, they're going to be light, but there will be spoilers. So, uh, but before we get started let's go ahead and let's just briefly talk about some of our like overall favorite moments in nerdom this year christian um you know do you have a a couple moments that you want to share
1: um i think one that you won't expect is i really enjoyed the turning of alexa bliss this year i thought her you know becoming one with the fiend was a very cool thing that the wwe actually committed to doing um especially since she's like one of their like Top, you know, female wrestlers that they had set in one way for so long. It's so rare to see them actually commit to such a crazy character change.
0: All right, I mean that that's that's a good mm-hmm. one up front. Um, I haven't been super excited about where it seems to be yeah. going. It's felt a little <laughs> flat lately, but you know that initial turn was exciting. So. Um, And they actually pulled the trigger on something that fans wanted to see, which was amazing. You know, since we're talking about wrestling up front, which is, you know, different for us. (laughs) um, You know, one of my favorite moments, at least wrestling wise, was uh, Edge's return at the Royal Rumble. So, I mean, I got super emotional. It was a big moment. (laughs) Um, I just watched it back recently. And it's crazy just to see a fucking full audience You know, out there (laughs) cheering and everything, but people like in tears, going nuts. Um, It was a great moment. The WrestleMania match itself wasn't, um, but they did soon redeem that afterwards with great promos and another pretty damn good match. So um, that's definitely one of my top wrestling moments of the year. No, I agree. uh, do you have any other moments?
1: Chris, um, I mean, of course. People. There's always there's always a ton of great things to talk about in nerdum. <laughs> I think one of the things that really don't jinx us. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the shows that really surprised me this year was I'm not okay with this, and like um, just how satisfying of a show it was. But like, there's one moment in particular where this kid's fucking head explodes and that's through spoilers right there for you but this kid's fucking Uh head explodes in the show and it was just so well done and like you saw it coming but at the same time so satisfying to watch Uh
0: you know what's not satisfying though what The show being fucking canceled. (laughs) Uh. Talk about a cliffhanger, especially since they actually announced that it was renewed. Uh And then everything happened with the pandemic and they started to really, you know, cut a bunch of different shows. So um, hopefully that comes Mm. back at some point. And we'll talk more about that show later on in the episode. Spoilers. (laughs) Um, So like right off the bat for me, uh, Shudder was one of my favorite moments of the year. Just Shudder picking up the ball, giving us some fantastic horror films this year. Um, You know, I discovered it. I mean, I know it's been around for a long time. This isn't a paid advertisement either for Shudder. So I know I've been singing its praises for the last, like, month or two. But my God, the the amount of, like, great, like, new movies that they brought to us this year. I mean, it has one hell of a track, Uh you know, record for 2020, so... Um, another one of my favorite moments, and you're going to see a theme here, but fucking Bobo Fett <laughs> lives, you know, <laughs> the yes. redemption of Bobo Fett. Probably one of the most, like, satisfying moments I've ever had as a nerd. Like, I would put it up there with, like, the end of, like, Endgame <laughs> and Avengers Assemble. <laughs> like, it really, like, I, I was, like, stand- I stood up in my living room, like, when, <laughs> when he shows up with the fucking Uh, armor on holy shit so because you know really it like was like finally justification for this loyal like i don't know fandom over you know the last like 30 some years for me you know because really if you look at it yeah you know the the amount of like great like you know fat content that we got from like the original trilogy i mean it's just minutes You know, and it's just him kind of looking cool. I mean, yeah, you have all the extended universe shit that, you know, happened afterwards, which is great. But, like, to actually get it on the screen? Oh, my God. It makes all the difference. Like I said, I made... Yes, no. I, I my mind melted <laughs> at that moment. So, I've... especially cuz there like I feel like the last like few years there's been a lot of like there's been a lot of like, that, uh-huh. like hate <laughs> out there cuz I think you know a generation just mm. doesn't get it. Um, you know, which which is But fine. now they I do. understand why, but like you know, yes. <laughs> yes. Like this is the John Wick <laughs> of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> So, uh, but, uh, well, yeah, I mean, to keep up up with
1: that Star Wars praise, um, I definitely have to say thank you to Dave Filoni in general um, and everything he's been able to create. Because, I mean, he created a character that I absolutely, you know, hated when I first met her, but now I can't, you know, imagine Star Wars without her, and that's Ahsoka. I mean, you know, getting to see her in live action in Mando this season, and like, even, you know, to the degree where they put the the exact sound of her lightsabers in, um, and perfect motion i thought that was fantastic and then on top of that we had ahsoka versus maul in the finale of clone wars Uh, yes and that's where i was gonna actually (laughs) go
0: next was the last four episode of the final season of Clone Wars, um, probably their best four episodes. I mean, just getting to see, you know, everything that happens with Order 66 and like these characters we've grown to love, you know, throughout the last, you know, what, seven seasons of Clone Wars react to that. I mean, holy shit. It was just so well done, even though I wasn't necessarily super satisfied (laughs) with the first half of the season. I mean, what a way yes. to go out. What a great note. I mean, that last scene, you know, in the snow with, you know, the clone troopers helmets and Vader is just heartbreaking. Like, you know, I've rewatched it a couple of times at this point, And my God, I mean, just mm. so well done. Thank you, yes. Dave Filoni. <laughs>
1: uh, were there anything else that really, like... You know, excited you this year? Uh, Last year? Just
0: more Star Wars shit, man.
1: <laughs> Luke Skywalker <laughs> saves
0: the fucking day. I mean, yes. I've been waiting for this moment since, you know, the end of Return of the Jedi. We finally get to see Luke as this fully formed, you know, Jedi, just cutting through fucking dark troopers, um, you know, on the way to save you know, baby Yoda. So, one hell of a holy shit moment. Um, you know, right up there with you know Boba Fett. But there's been a lot of those moments with you know season two of The Mandalorian this year. So I mean, b- pretty much just The
1: Mandalorian <laughs> this year. <laughs> I need to see if uh, someone put the hallway scene music from Rogue One behind that behind Luke's one yet. Oh, I'm if they sure. haven't, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they have. I can't imagine. You know,
0: at this point, no one's done that. So I mean, uh, there's so many great parallels between the two scenes uh but yeah uh also for me um is you know just being a toy collector uh we currently have some of the best like toy lines i can remember in like recent history like running at the same you know time um from mm. marvel legends to star wars black series uh to masters of the fucking universe to gi joe classified and hell everything super seven and like NECA are doing i mean Nostalgia is just reigning supreme right now, as always. Uh, but like you know, that also at the same time, it brings me to my worst of 2020 um, oh yeah? list, and that's fucking just toy distribution blues. Like um... many, many stores shelves are just bare right now, um, and it's hard to find half of these figures, unfortunately. Um, You really have to really just, you know, deal with like stalking these things online on different websites because toy hunting is just like a dying thing right now, unfortunately. And I always love the thrill of the hunt, like finding it like on a peg or on a shelf. Um, So I'm trying to adjust the fact of, you know, (laughs) just clicking a couple buttons. But yeah, I mean, Uh, a lot of this is partially due to like, you know, factories being closed because of covid. But also, we've got so many fucking scalpers out there and just like weird exclusive deals with like these big box stores um you know who could really care less about like stocking their shelves so i mean pre-orders are getting backed up pre-orders are getting canceled the toys just never hit the shelf because they have so many peg warmers of like lesser toys i mean it's just super fucking frustrating to be a collector um so yeah i'm kind of talking out of like both sides of my mouth but uh-huh. i mean there's just like no one's ever really filled the void that like toys or us has left unfortunately
1: Um, And I'm actually getting into this bad habit of getting used to, you know, buying it off of eBay at this point where I'm like paying the extra, you Mm -hmm. know, 20 to a hundred dollars for a figure. Yeah, you're having Um. to go to third
0: parties. And that's what (laughs) that's what that's the scalper game right now. Mm -hmm. You know, these scalpers, they get like ins with like stock boys and shit at like the big box stores and they get a little text message whenever they know something's about to hit the shelf. They run to the store and they buy them all up. Then they throw them on eBay for like twice the amount so i mean a lot of times at least in the past you you were able to kind of wait that out for like fomo to kind of like you know dissipate but it's really just now i mean it's getting to the point where you're playing the long game with these things so um yeah no it sucks but i don't know i guess it's a good kind of suck that sounds sturdy <laughs> <laughs> Because there's so many great lines out there that you have this problem happening. Uh So hopefully in the next year or so, you know, things start to turn around.
1: But I don't know. I mean, the exact same thing happened with the console releases this year, where it's like the moment anything is out there, anyone who has any type of insight is already buying every single console out there that they possibly can. Mm -hmm. So they can resell it. I mean, that's just, you know, the kind of world we live in at this point. Uh, you know it's impossible to get your hands on a ps5 or an xbox um one x right now or series x whatever um at this point it's it's madness yeah
0: and that sucks especially if you want to play those consoles right away when they exactly. come out the the difference is though like you know eventually those consoles are going to be on the shelves where uh-huh. these toy lines you might yeah, never see them again. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they might end up, you might end up having to pay. I, there's some Marvel Legend figures. Like there's a Rogue figure. I'm not going to go into too deep detail, <laughs> detail that like skyrocketed to like $80 within just a couple months. You know, and this is like a $20 figure. This was $80 loose. Um, So it must have been like a hundred something, you know, um, Jesus, in package. Yeah. But then they re released it and the same fucking thing happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, there wasn't enough, and I'm sure that's part of you know the, these companies you know plan. But there wasn't uh-huh. enough. People bought them all up, and you know they're going up in price as we speak.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and you know, and, and to speak more to um, what I was bringing up with the consoles, uh, you know, a big, another big thing, a big uh, you know letdown this year was the launch of Cyberpunk 2077. Um, and I'm sorry. One of the man. Res- I know this hurts your heart <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> well, it's like I, I'm still able to have a good time because I'm playing it on PC. But I, there are a lot of things that are still missing from the game on that level. They put out a game that focuses on playing it on next gen and PC rather than the current gen, and you know most people can't buy those consoles. So it just it was an, it was an even bigger mess because of all that. But yeah, I mean the game came out. Um, it's definitely missing a lot of the things that they were promising. <laughs> um, it's still got a great story. There's still a great world there. And I'm hoping that this can be turned around into something. But I, I wouldn't give them that kind of trust ever again. Where it's like, you know, they came off of the success of The Witcher, right? And it was just, mm-hmm. you know, all these people thinking this is going to be the next Witcher. Even, even though The Witcher did come out with bugs when it first came out. I mean, every game is broken until maybe it's somewhat not broken when it comes out uh-huh. you know that's just such a weird thing though like i
0: can't imagine <laughs> that you know buying something knowing that it's not going to work that great at first yes you know <laughs>
1: um but like this degree of broken for cyberpunk was just unacceptable and i feel like they still need to learn their lesson a little bit more especially with as more stuff comes out news after week after week of news i just stopped reporting about it because i just don't want to talk about <laughs> their shit anymore do you, you know? think
0: there's anything they can
1: do to regain like you know everyone's trust um i think it's just gonna take the next scandal you know like the next um game to have something wrong with it and you know th- while they continue to work and build back um you know what they promised in the game
0: so it's just more like staying consistent and putting out quality you know work. exactly
1: don't no more saying hey this is happening now and now don't don't talk out of your ass before it's Mm -hmm. you know actually prepared and ready and you do have a genuine plan because that's just gonna that's gonna make you look bad again if it's just another big management error where you're just pushing and making these people work their asses off to put out a product that doesn't work right yeah i mean it's 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 a mess. I, I, I can't stand the, the leadership over there
0: right now. <laughs> I, I can't imagine the frustration to be a video game uh-huh. fan right now. So,
1: <laughs> But I mean, enough about video games for now. I'll get back into it later with a special Christian's Corner review of 2020. But let's get into the actual countdown.
0: That's right. So we've got multiple countdowns. Like I said, we're going to be talking horror films, TV shows, and wrestling. Um Spoilers! This is the last time we're gonna say it, but spoilers ahead! Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's go ahead and start with horror.
2: Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show's 2020 year-in-review countdown lists. Now loading up Damon's top 10 horror movies of 2020.
0: Alright, because this year was a total disaster, um, we're gonna do things a little different when it comes to our annual year-in-review. Um, One of the main reasons is because when I sat down to put together my list of favorite films uh, for 2020, the one thing that was quite clear was I watched a whole lot of horror films, but also 99% of my countdown was actually going to be made up of my favorite genre. This surprisingly has never actually happened in the show's history before. And I mean, it's definitely due to like many films being pushed back to 2021 because of fucking COVID. But I've got to say, um, horror, and in particular, uh, indie horror or art house horror, whatever you want to call it, um, had really picked up the ball this year and ran with it. This is one of the strongest years for the genre in quite a while. So just to drive home you know, my point, my top 10 films of 2020 list is now going to be a top horror films of 2020 list. So if you're a fan of horror, don't sleep on the shit show of a year definitely go out of your way to check out these great films. Also, a quick disclaimer, I haven't seen every film, so relax if you don't see your favorite on my list. Um, If you got a recommendation, though, go ahead, hit us up on social media. That's at Amazing Nerd Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go ahead, leave us a comment. I'll check out those films and, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll review them on the show. All right, before we get started, some quick honorable mentions. Um, These films almost made the list, but unfortunately I decided to just stick with the top 10 instead of a top 20, just due to time and not wanting to listen to Christian fucking bitch.
1: You're Um, damn right. Anyway,
0: uh, the first one up is Hosts. Uh, Definitely check it out, it's by Dark Sky Films. It's a fun sci-fi slash horror film that pulls no punches and not to be confused with the film Host that also came out this year. Also check out, um, over on Netflix right now, the South Korean zombie film, hashtag alive. All right, so without further ado, here's my top 10 horror films of 2020.
2: Number 10, one bedroom. Does the plumbing do that every night? Do you want?
1: So tired all the time. Do you hear that noise? I don't hear anything very well anymore. <laughs> you think I'm crazy?
0: This film is a creative exploration into the cult mindset and how one could easily become seduced by it. Um, one Bedroom does a nice job of showing how these groups really like prey on people's need to feel like they belong to a community or family. After watching our main character, Sarah, be completely just broken down in horrific fashion and built up again, you start to question, albeit for a short period of time, her allegiance. This helps build the film to a fever pitch as we steamroll to a pulse-pounding and just absolutely chilling conclusion. Go ahead, check this film out. It's currently on Netflix.
2: Number nine, Freaky. Wow. Honestly, if this was a horror movie,
0: I'd be one of the first ones to get killed cue the
2: creepy dude in the mask
0: after the two happy death day films i think christopher landon has perfected his genre bending skills with the film Freaky. it's an entertaining mix-up between the classic body swap story and a fucking slasher film while it's definitely a comedy it's not scared to be a horror film at the same time filled with just enough creative kills and nods to classic tropes to keep any fan satisfied it feels like it's honoring the genre instead of you know taking the piss out of it also vince vaughn is living his best life in this performance and that alone is enough for me to recommend giving this a watch
2: number eight
0: the wretched
1: Dad, Mom's being weird.
0: Mom's always been weird. <sighs> Garnering a lot of buzz after capturing the number one position in the box office due to its like popularity and drive ins after COVID closed, most theaters. um, The Wretched is just this well-crafted treat for horror fans that gives us a modern take on the classic Witch in the Woods story. I felt this film had a fun throwback vibe to it, and I really love the character design for the witch and the mythos that the Pierce Brothers created around her. I think The Wretched is one of the few films on my list that is just ripe for a sequel, and I think over time, It will definitely achieve cult status with horror fans.
2: Number seven. Anything for Jackson.
1: Morning. Here to clean your drive. No, no, everything's okay.
0: Thank you so much for the book. Hail safety. Hail this unconventional tale about grief puts us into the villain's shoes as they go to unimaginable lengths to bring back their dead grandson this twisted unrelenting film is filled with scares that will stay with you long after it's over justin g dyke manages to put us in the uncomfortable position of emphasizing with these elderly Satan worshipers as we watch them pay the ultimate price. Um, It's currently streaming on Shudder. I definitely recommend subscribing.
2: Number six, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight.
0: Jim Cummings stars and directs in this offbeat werewolf film whose tone has much in common with, like, Fargo as it does with, I don't know, uh, Silver Bullet. John is a police officer who's battling his inner demons while trying to solve the brutal murders that have been plaguing his town. Jim Cummings is an extremely talented artist who does a wonderful job of balancing both horror and comedic elements as we watch his character John start to unravel at the scenes. Cummings just does a masterful job of using this underutilized subgenre to explore both addiction and mental health. This is a smart and beautiful allegory that shows how great this classic horror legend, you know, werewolves, can be and why we just need more of the made. I mean, give me more werewolf movies, goddammit. But anyway, The Wolf of Snow Hollow is currently streaming on VOD.
2: Number five, Possessor. Our
1: next contract's a big one.
2: Target is the CEO of the largest operation in the U.S. He'll be binding to Colin
0: Tate. We can't afford any mistakes on this one. Ready? Brandon Cronenberg's techno body horror film about losing one's humanity is both hypnotic and unnerving. We're introduced to an assassin who can possess others to carry out hits, but what happens when she starts to lose herself in the process? Cronenberg's film feels like a love letter to his father's legendary work, while at the same time he's able to really carve out his own unique path. Luckily for us, the apple does not fall far from the tree, and I just can't wait to see what's up next from the young director.
2: Number 4. Host. <coughs>
0: connected with something. We got to keep going. We got to talk to it. Host director Rob Savage gives us a film that will serve as a time capsule for horror fans for years to come. This Zoom call seance gone wrong is one of the first horror films to use the current pandemic as a backdrop. But here's the thing. The film is much more than just a gimmick or a fad. Savage breathes new life into the found footage subgenre by making a genuinely terrifying film that drives home the old adage, less is more. He effectively manages to put together some of the most frightening scenes of the year by building suspense with simple things like sound and camera work. Shot during the lockdown with a group of his friends who also just deserve a lot of credit for some great performances. But you have to really marvel at Savage's ingenuity as an artist as he directed the entire film remotely and he was still able to grab audiences by the throat with some well-designed scares and really just exploit this you know feeling of isolation the entire world is going through currently anyway i can't recommend this film enough uh it's currently on shutter big surprise uh but it will also be on blu-ray i believe in february
2: number three the invisible man
1: Adrian? He was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then I was controlling when I left the house and eventually what I thought.
0: As a lifelong Universal Monster fan, I think it's downright criminal that besides the Hammer films, Hollywood has tortured us throughout the years with just numerous soulless remakes of these legendary characters. Lee Winnell's Invisible Man is the first time that I felt like my favorite group of monsters are finally in good hands. Winnell does a fantastic job of modernizing this classic story and giving it a fresh coat of paint. This film is just a pure psychological thriller that takes a look on how real life things like abuse and trauma haunt victims Wenell, along with moss's unforgettable performance masterfully builds suspense throughout his film and never really lets audiences up for air he uses beautiful camera work to really make you second guess everything you're seeing and feel moss's paranoia that paired with an incredibly cathartic finale makes this film a must watch
2: number two relic She called me a few weeks ago, I think she was scared. She thought someone was coming into the house.
0: Relic is the impressive directorial debut of Natalie Erica James. This heartbreaking film is all about the pain of watching a loved one fade away due to the horror of dementia. James shows us the physical manifestation of the disease as we watch it just tear a family apart. Filled with wonderful grounded performances, we journey through the different stages of grief with these characters in a way that really resonates with anyone who's experienced this this sort of thing firsthand. The ending is one of the most beautifully sad moments I've seen in a while and will probably divide audiences, but I love that they had the balls to do something so different and really drive their poignant story home.
2: Number one, The Dark and the Wicked.
1: Your mama, she was saying things. She would sit Right beside him just whispering. But you weren't talking to him. We found it in her pocket. She didn't believe in God. What does it matter whether you
2: believe? I found Mom's diary. What if she saw something out there? Told y'all not to come.
0: So mind you, horror is incredibly subjective, but for me when it comes to this year's offerings, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, The Dark and the Wicked is by far the scariest film I saw this year. Twisted and unforgiving, this film is an hour and a half nightmare. Two siblings find themselves in the battle for their dying father's soul against a demonic entity thick with atmosphere bertano doesn't pull any punches after the first 15 minutes the audience is set up for a free-fall descent into madness for the duration of the film brian bertano just like he did with the strangers gets under your skin with this film and it has a lasting effect long after it's over this well-layered depraved delight is a film that checked all the right boxes for me as a horror fan and is easily my number one film of the year The Dark and the Wicked is out now on Blu-ray and is also streaming on VOD. Do yourself a
1: favor and definitely check it
0: out.
2: And now Christian's top five movies of 2020.
1: One of the big disappointments about this year was that there were so many movies that I wanted to see um, that just didn't get to come out because of everything that happened. Um, But there are some worth mentioning still. So that's what I'm gonna be counting down for you guys this week. Damon, did you have any extra, like, honorable mentions before I get into my list? Uh, so, non-horror movie-wise,
0: um, there was a few, but I think the only one I want to really mention is actually one that's been making other people's, like, horror film lists. I guess some people consider it a horror film, but I don't for some strange reason. Um, but it's, um, I'm Thinking About Anythings by, uh, Charlie Kaufman. I love the movie. It's probably my favorite movie overall of this year. Um, It's dark. It's depressing. It's surreal. Um, I'm not going to waste too much time talking about it because this is your countdown. Uh. But definitely check it out over uh, (laughs) on Netflix. So... Um, if you're into that type of thing, I, it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're already dark and depressing. Uh-huh. So, okay, I understand. <laughs> Be a little redundant.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> you're probably just like, oh, that's life.
0: <laughs> Get over it.
1: Rub some dirt in it. <laughs> just fucking eat your ice cream and move on <laughs> with your life. <laughs> Have a coke and a smile and shut the fuck up. Uh huh. <laughs> all right let's get to the list
2: (laughs) number five run i'm your mom it's my job to take care of you when you need me and you need
1: me are you okay mom
2: of course i'm okay i have you
1: Run takes you on a pulse racing tension ride as Sarah Polson and Kira Allen you know show off their acting prowess as mother and daughter. Um, Kira Allen, as Chloe Sherman trying to find out what her mother is hiding from her is what sold this film for me personally. I mean her performance uh, is, is so compelling as you watch her struggle with the emotions that go into thinking that your own mother may be your worst enemy. I mean, for, for real, both actresses um, kind of performances are what drive this film, because however great they were, the story may have been just a bit too small for my liking, personally. But altogether, I mean, watching these two on screen was an enjoyable time, and I definitely say check it out if you can.
2: Number four. Soul. I
1: was born to play. <laughs> it's my reason for living. While you may have heard me say this in last week's episode, um, I wasn't 100% emotionally invested into Pixar's soul. However, the animation that was presented was a technical masterpiece in my eyes. Um, soul follows the tale of a failing jazz musician who finally catches the break he's always dreamed of, only to then croak and find himself in the afterlife, you know, clinging to life as hard as he can. Um, he befriends a young newborn soul, and hijinks, you know, ensue. Um, the film takes on deep, complex ideals and challenges the norms of a kid's film, even for Pixar's standards. Um, I was pretty surprised just how adult, you know some of the themes in this film were. Um, and I personally believe this is the right direction for Pixar, as I think a tale such as this could open up Disney along with others' eyes to what kind of stories can be told in an animation medium, Um, as there is still, to this day, the connotation that um, animation is for kids. Um, And, you know, I just see this story, you know, bringing so many new ideas and thoughts to Pixar um, as they go along, but yes, I mean, this city um, this performance is, I mean, everything in this was flawless. I just don't think the story resonated with me the way that it pro- they probably intended.
2: Number three, Tenet.
1: It's good with fists for a diplomat. There are people in the future who need us. You got something not gonna like time isn't the problem getting out alive is the problem to this day I don't know if I fully grasp everything that happened in *Tenet*. you know like Nolan struck us again with a film even wider in scale and complexity than 2010's inception or 2014's interstellar a time-bent thriller with Action sequences playing in both forward and reverse John David Washington, along with co-star Robert Penson put on compelling performances, but at a pace that never gives the audience a chance to breathe. Um, Blinken, you might miss an important plot detail. Every scene matters, and it comes at you at lightning speed. But if you can handle that, Tenet feels like a near-perfect James Bond experience with stunning visuals and well-thought-out stunt choreography. i definitely say this is worth at least one viewing, but after seeing it once, you may need to see it again and again just to catch those tiny little details you probably missed the first time around.
2: Number 2. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn Joker and I broke up. I wanted a fresh start. But it turns out I wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation.
1: Birds of Prey was a film I had a lot of fun with and it almost got my number 1 on my list. Um, we follow Harley after her breakup with the Joker on a quest to stand for her own independence in the dark city criminal underworld. Um, now stuck with the consequences of her actions, without the protection of the clown prince of crime, Harley finds herself in a bit of trouble with the crime boss Black Mask, as played by Ewan McGregor. Um, Intercepting a few unlikely friends, she finds the most chaotic way to set herself free from Black Mask's grasp. Um, The movie is fun, playful, super stylized with great cinematography and great action scenes. Uh, Margot Robbie plays Harley Quinn so perfectly, but unfortunately in my eyes the movie didn't utilize the character's madness quite enough. Um, We saw an inkling of it. But it definitely could have taken it further, especially since the film focused on her so much, and because it did focus on her so much, you know, on top of all that, they downplayed the importance of the rest of the crew, um, all the other birds of prey, um, leaving a lot to be desired, you know, from Huntress, Black Canary, and Detective Montoya. Um, however, we did get an awesome, and I say awesome, performance out of you and McGregor as Black Mask. Um, it really showed how unhinged that character can be. Um, you know, this was a great origin tale for the birds. And all in all, I think you will have a great time. Um, just hopefully, you know, they make a sequel to this or show off the birds and prey in another manner that really gets to focus on those other three characters, uh, because I do think, um, you know, Huntress and Black Canary were pretty cool in this movie. I just think that they need a little bit more screen time to show off just how great they can be.
2: Number one, the invisible man. What happened to him?
1: He dreams dead. Listen. You're getting your freedom back, okay?
2: He said that wherever I went, he would find me. Walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Adrian is dead. He's not dead. He has figured out a way to be invisible.
1: At my number one this year is The Invisible Man. This movie only continued to solidify my love of Elizabeth Moss's performances in literally anything she does. Um, director LeWinnell took the. Cackling world domineering villain of the 1930s and modernized it to a psycho abusive tech billionaire that haunts his ex. Um, Cecilia Cass, as played by Moss, has to prove to law enforcement and her friends that there is an invisible version of her former love attempting to entrap her once more. Um, No one plays on the edge of madness better than Elizabeth Moss, and I can say that again and again. Her performance going up against a Literally invisible villain easily makes this worth the watch. Winnell and company do a great job of making an invisible threat so tangible with well-placed special effects and well-thought-out action sequences that will leave the viewer on the edge of their seats. Um, if you missed out on this one in 2020, I definitely say you know start off your year right with The Invisible Man.
2: Now loading up Christian and Damon's top five TV shows of 2020. Number five. I am not okay with this. Dear diary, when does this get easier?
1: It's probably just puberty.
0: What do you get when you cross Stephen King with John Hughes? Well, I'll tell you what we got. A damn good show. Sophia Lills stars in a series about a girl trying to cope with the loss of her dad, um, discovering her sexual identity, and oh yeah, developing fucking superpowers. Based on an indie comic book, smart, fun, and unfortunately canceled. Uh, I mean, hopefully one day we get to revisit this story, um, especially after what hell of a cliffhanger. Uh, but if you don't mind some unresolved storytelling, definitely go ahead and check this out over on Netflix and pray for a second season.
1: Well, funny enough, my number five is also I'm Not Okay With This. Um, with some of the you know most believable on-screen teens dealing with mysterious abilities, I am not okay with this one me over fast. All the heart of John Hughes films, but with a dark twist that makes those classic tropes even more enjoyable, I mean, y- I'm sold. <laughs> um, it is a true shame to know that um, we're not getting another season. But hey, maybe if we get enough folks to check out this um, Netflix series, you know, they'll have to reconsider. So I mean, go watch the show tell all your friends to watch it and let's spam the fuck out of netflix's twitter account
2: <laughs> number 4 for damon puck hard
0: tell us why did you leave starfleet admiral It's always fun reconnecting with old friends. With this series, we catch up with the good captain in the twilight of his life. He seems vulnerable and disillusioned after Starfleet has cast him aside for standing up for what he believes in. Picard at its core is a journey about redemption as we join the captain on one last mission. Much different than your usual Star Trek adventure, Picard is an exhilarating ride nonetheless. You can check it out right now over on CBS All Access.
2: Number four for Christian Lovecraft Country.
0: This story is about my father and the secret birthright that's been kept from us. You're going after it. We're going, going
1: to
2: need the car. This is family business. And family stay together.
1: This blend of magic, sci-fi, and racism was not only timely, but wildly entertaining. Um, This show centers around Atticus Freeman as played by Jonathan Majors, who in pursuit of his missing father discovers new truths about his lineage um, in a world of monsters and magic. Um, Even though he may have been the main character uh, of this show, um, this show's strongest feature actually was its supporting cast and how far it was willing to go to tell all of their stories beyond just his own. Um, Some of my favorite storylines had nothing to do with Atticus and led to some of the most shocking twists and visuals I've ever seen in TV. The world that they've opened up with this series can go in so many directions um, if it really wants to. And I kind of hope to see more from it, but I can also see this being a one and done similar to how The Watchmen has been. But definitely check this out. It's on HBO Max, and I definitely think it's almost, you know, worth having the subscription to watch it.
2: Number three for Damon. Umbrella Academy Season 2.
0: Everything in our new lives is connected from the plot to assassinate the president. That can be a coincidence.
1: None of us are supposed to be here, right? We know something changes the timeline. We have to make it right again before everyone and everything we know is dead.
0: In the second season of the Umbrella Academy, the show really starts to hit its stride. With our characters lost and separated through the 60s, uh, we really get a chance to explore what makes each one of these characters tick and adding some much needed depth to the story. We come to realize that at its core, Umbrella Academy is really about family. The choice of the 60s as a setting serves as the perfect fit for the show's aesthetic, and it really starts to feel like a comic book come to life filled with plenty of twists and turns to keep you guessing, this Wes Anderson meets X-Men mashup is definitely one of the most entertaining shows streaming right now on Netflix.
2: Number three for Christian. Clone Wars, the final season.
1: Surely, you have felt it. The dark side has never been stronger.
2: choice you have made
0: has led you to this moment
1: last year we finally got the end of the clone wars and for anyone who had been a long standing fan of the animated series this season was well worth the wait and exactly how you end a story Um, The second half alone made this season a true standout in the Star Wars franchise, as we finally saw not only the clones in their darkest hour, but Ahsoka and how she reacted to the Order 66. For me, everything about this season put the perfect bow on what is the tale of the prequels um, in the fall of Anakin and how much it affected the known universe. Um, So much of this show really changed the perspective of episodes 1 through 3. Dave Filoni's love for Star Wars can be seen in every episode, and I'm excited even for the Bad Batch and more as we further explore the Star Wars universe in animated form. But God, I mean, that battle between Ahsoka and Maul, just, ah, just perfection. I absolutely love this season, and if you've never seen anything of Clone Wars, while the first few seasons might be a, a little bit too much on the kid side for us as adult viewers, I definitely think following the journey of ahsoka throughout all these seasons and this entire series is well worth it I, I i highly recommend actually watching the clone wars and rebels as well definitely check out all the animated work that filoni has done so far absolutely perfect thank you again Filoni.
2: number two the boys season two Patrick what happened my wife she's alive Vought's holding the gap of somewhere, and right now
1: we're in a little bit of trouble.
0: Season 2 of The Boys is even more subversive than the first as it pushes the envelope even further. The team is at rock bottom and being hunted by the Seven after last season's events. A homelander gets a run for his money when a new quote-unquote superhero, Stormfront, joins the team. Somehow both hilarious and terrifying at the same time, the show reflects what it would be like if superpowers were a real thing. Season 2 brilliantly deconstructed the superhero genre, while also being a commentary on where we're at as a society today. Even if you're not a fan of comics, this show is a must-watch over on Amazon Prime
1: absolutely agree because the boys season two is also my number two um if you didn't think that they could you know flip the hero genre any more onto its head boy you were wrong the introduction to stormfront alone makes this a must-watch season in my eyes um so much you know growth from our main characters as well i think my favorite storyline this season has to be um everything that we got with like kimiko um, and her storyline with her brother and stuff like that. I thought, you know, her character development um, definitely much further than what we anything we had gotten in season one. And, you know, there was a lot of storylines. I think going into this season I was surprised by just how many storylines we had been left off with at the end of season one. Um, and then how many different directions we were going with this season. So many characters to follow. So many different stories to be told. I mean, there's just so much to love about this show. And I definitely think it's worth checking out. I mean, besides a few Like miss beats with Frenchie, I would say you know this season was near flawless in execution.
2: Number one, season two of The Mandalorian.
1: He needs your help.
2: The Jedi Order fell a long time ago. So did the Empire. Yet it still hunts him.
1: Long live the Empire. Long live the Empire.
0: So if you listen to this podcast regularly, I think it was pretty obvious what show was going to be my number one pick for 2020. But if you want to hear a full review and listen to like a 42-year-old man reduced to a five-year-old again, go ahead and check out our back catalog. I mean, as I just profess my love for mostly everything that happens in season two. But I mean, just to sum it up, The Mandalorian just encompasses everything I love about Star Wars from the originals to yes, even the prequels, it, it's, it has something for everyone. Jon Favreau and David Filoni have put together a series that truly celebrates its fandom while laying the foundation for the future of the franchise just amazing work um, and everyone should be watching it over at disney plus
1: no i couldn't agree more this series is just everything you could want out of star wars and more it's like a reward for being loyal fans of the franchise through thick and thin I don't think i'll ever forget ahsoka sparking up her lightsabers for the first time in live action i can only hope that disney will see all the things that they have done right with mando and expand from there because if they can be consistent and keep the quality of this show going throughout all their star wars experiences i definitely think they will win back whatever fans they may have lost before and bring star wars to new heights um the mandalorian proudly stands number one on both our lists because this is absolutely the way
2: and now for christian's top five games of the year
1: so i wanted to start off this list by prefacing first i have not played every single game that has come out this year obviously but there are tons of great games that i did play and these are the five games i played this year that i really loved the most so these are my games of the year personally
2: Number
1: 5 Tony Hawk Pro Skater So, to start off my list, I'm going to start off with number 5, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Vicarious Visions brought back Tony Hawk's Pro Skaters 1 and 2 um, in such a beautiful fashion. I mean, it gave me all the types of nostalgia I could possibly want. Um, You know, (laughs) getting to see all the um, old skaters now aged up and everything too was a very fun element. Um, You know, all those customization options. while You know, I I do think they should have added all the old customization options back into these games. I still thought it was very fun. I have, you know, pretty much myself in the game (laughs) as my skater. Um, And it's definitely something I can easily do to pass time um, here and there. You know, it's not one of my main games that I play all the time. But it's something that I I can easily jump back into and get all the, like, uh, fucking uh, levels unlocked and stuff like that. It was just so much nostalgia wrapped up in it. It was one of those experiences I really enjoyed and thought it was great for its price point as well Uh, you know thank you guys for bringing this back in general
2: number four Star Wars squadrons
1: You know, EA's Motive Studios, when they brought Star Wars Squadrons up, I, I was already impressed from the get-go. I love Star Wars ships, so you had to know I was going to put this game on my list in general. Um, or a- as a game that I was going to pick up on day one. You know, uh, this definitely was made for vr experience but even as i played it off of vr i was impressed by how much you know detail that they put into the different types of controls between moving between shields um, speed and um, you know weapon power and stuff like that the amount of stuff that you had there it was kind of like the closest thing to a flight simulator with you know star wars that we had gotten in a long time and i absolutely loved it um you know getting through the game um you know the story is very simple You know, uh, nothing too complex there, but it's all about the gameplay mechanics when it comes to Star Wars Squadrons. While it does just stick to dogfights and stuff like that, you know, the fact that there are support classes and, you know, assault classes and stuff like that for the different ships and stuff made it a little bit more replayable than I thought it was going to originally be. And for that, it gets my number four spot on my games list for this year.
2: Number three. Last of Us Part Two you can't stop this
1: So this one might be a little controversial, but I, I at the same time I do have to admire how grave a game it was. Either way, um, the Last of Us Part Two, you know, really took on this challenge of you know sticking to their guns with a storyline that they obviously had. You know, with the Last of Us One, there's a lot of things that we can compare, you know, with the stories in general and like the, the ending where you know you're pretty much put in this very tight, uncomfortable situation. I feel like that magic was still there just fans didn't receive it the same way because of all the things that they did end up doing throughout the game. Um, You know, I I thought there was some bold choices made. I do think it was a very well-made game, and, like, you know, little things that were supposed to make me feel bad actually made me a little happier doing so. (laughs) Like, uh, when you're hunting down people, and they're like, Oh, no! Beth is... Beth is down! You know? Like, knowing... Getting their names is, I'm just a little fucked up in the head, but (laughs) you know, those little elements, those little character beats um, really opened up and made the world feel a little bit more real and stuff like that than what you would get in most games. The continuation of Ellie's story and getting to play as her I thought was well handled. I do disagree with how the ending goes. I didn't like the ending too much. But at the same time, I understand what art direction they were going for and the kind of the story that they were trying to tell. I just don't think it's the choice I would have personally made. Um, there were a lot of backlash for the decisions that they made in this game, um, and you know, having you play as pretty much you know your your main character's enemy. It, a lot, of, a lot of interesting choices there, and a lot of things where it's like I didn't care too much for them. But at the same time, I still appreciated everything that they put into this game and how well it ran and how well it played i mean just look at you know games that came out recently that you know while they're still huge story games they just didn't have you know amount of stuff to draw you in and make you care about a story in general anyway you know I feel like Naughty Dog does such a fantastic job of creating a story within this like playable arena that makes you care about the story and makes you care about the game mechanics at the same time and that's why last of us part two does get onto my list it's just not my game of the year in general
2: number two marvel's spider-man miles morales
1: you think you can beat the Tinker? you can't. Every time I think I got this Spider-Man thing figured out, something goes wrong. Miles,
0: our family doesn't give up. Whenever you say Spider-Man, you always mean the other one. You're Spider-Man.
1: You can fix this. Your way.
0: This is my time.
1: My number two for this year is Spider-Man Miles Morales. I mean, I can't praise this any more uh, than I have in the past. You know, and you can check out my full review from a, a couple weeks ago. But I mean, seriously, Insomniac does such a great job with Spider-Man. Uh, you know, it it brings back that you know nostalgia of playing the old games yet. You know, all the new technology that we have is all right there on display and I played it on PS4. I didn't even play it on the new PS5. I didn't get those new lighting aspects and stuff like that and I still had an enormously grand... I still had this really great time with the game. You know, I think the story was all there and everything. The only thing that holds this game back is that it's so short. You know, compared to the first game, I understand, you know, this is just the middle piece between games, but I felt like Miles deserved a little bit more of a story, or at least, you know, they could have jammed in a little bit more side mission stuff to do as well. But at the same time, you know, I think this game is like... You know, the fact that, you know, when you're swinging through the streets and, you know, there's always something there, you know, playing in your ears, there's so many, like, design choices that Insomniac makes with this game that just makes the world not only so believable and real and, you know, so lifelike, but at the same time, enjoyable and an entertainment experience you know i stream and play these games you know for the audience and like one of the things i usually have to cut out like when i'm playing the witcher is all my traveling because like when i'm traveling between areas that i can't fast travel to it you know i'll run out of things to say at a certain point (laughs) you know i can talk to like the audience and stuff like that but if there's nothing to talk about and they're not commenting on anything you know there's just me on my horse (laughs) going through it so like what i do appreciate is all those little moments in between where he's on the phone with people and it just drives the story along and like the podcast podcasts and stuff that they listen to it's all those little elements that I appreciate as well that just keep me so invested and immersed in the game that they've created I think it's 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 little things like that that make me so much happier as a player but at the same time you know Spider-Man Miles Morales Miles Morales is my Spider-Man he's you know that character for me he's such a big deal so getting to play as him in a game you know was just Awesome! I absolutely loved it, and I I definitely say it's a must-play for anyone.
2: Number one, Ghost of Tsushima.
1: I am samurai.
2: No,
0: you are more than that. You are the ghost. Convince your people to join me, and I will give them peace. We will never serve you. <laughs>
1: You know, at the start of the year, if you had to ask me, you know, at the beginning of, like, 2020, like, what do you think the game of the year is going to be, I would have told you, you know, Cyberpunk right off the bat, or Spider-Man Miles Morales. Those were the two that, like, popped into my head immediately. You know, there was a game that I was super interested in um, that was coming out in the summer, and that was called Ghost of Tsushima, you know, it was one I definitely wanted to check out because I'm super into samurai and stuff like that. Um, Getting this game and playing it, man, I was just blown away by the story. You know, Sucker Punch did something I definitely didn't expect with, um, you know, this adventure story game. You know, and they they made such a beautiful world and a story that you could so easily invest in and fall in love with. You know, I, I I'm surprised by the amount of people I've seen out there. You know, and this is just, you know it's the vocal minority of the internet that you know haven't had that experience with the game that I have, where there's just so much. Deep storytelling happening in front of you where I I just I can't believe how much I fell in love with this game. On top of that, there's so much in it. I mean... Like, the amount of armor that you get, the amount of side missions to do to unlock different things, you know, it just felt like I was constantly running into something new that I I didn't think was possible. Like, I definitely didn't think I would have that many armor sets. I didn't think that there was going to be, you know, this many side missions, different things to um, defeat and all this stuff. The world felt so big, just so big at the same time at the heart of it had a story that was just so big and well crafted that i have to give it my full praise Um, i mean you can go back and check out my final grade and review for it but at the same time i mean this is i mean this was absolutely my game of the year um uh, i i still like i'm still not over how much of a good time i had with that game and i still miss it to to this day and i'm going to be I end up picking it up again and playing it in all the different modes um that i haven't played it in yet like i definitely want to do the black and white like cinema view and stuff like that still you know there's still all these little things i haven't tried out with the game i want to play it in japanese i want to i want to experience all these things i want to you know f- uh 100 the world as well i didn't do that before while i was doing it on stream so it's just like so much of this game i love and there's still so much yet for me to do with it Um, you know there's so much more for me to come back to as well i feel like it's super replayable if you really want to um man i I was just so impressed by sucker punch with this game and i i can't i cannot say more like if if there's still like special editions of this game and they're like a hundred dollars fuck it go buy it man This is, you know, like six stars, six stars, I'm telling you. (laughs) Definitely worth it. It It's definitely my number one game of the year. Um, You know, thank you, Sucker Punch, for this experience. Um, You know, there was this moment I had this year where one of the voice actresses from the game reached out to me on Twitter, and I thought that was fucking awesome for me, (laughs) personally, because her storyline was so fucking deep. And it's um, Yuriko. Oh, my God. Um, you know, like, this old woman is, like, dying, and oh my god. <laughs> so many just little elements like that throughout the world. I I can't praise it enough. Play this game. If you have a PlayStation and you haven't picked up Ghost of Tsushima, there's something wrong with you. Play this fucking game. I hope it gets, uh, like, uh, a PS5 uh, ma- like whatever it's called, remaster or re-release or whatever, because I'm going to fucking play it on PS5 as well. I'll do it again. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Alright, let's move on to some wrestling.
2: Time to gear up for the Amazing Nerd Show's Best of Wrestling in 2020.
0: And the worst part of this, Eddie, the worst part of this, this, the part of this that
2: makes
1: me sick that puts my stomach in knots. You made a promise. You made a promise to your mother, that you can't
0: keep. All right, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to be counting down our favorite matches and our favorite performers of the year. So, just like with everything else, this was an insane year for wrestling. Um I'm at the point now where I'm actually used to there not being an audience, you know, for these shows. Uh, you know, and watching like old footage is like almost jarring to see like large uh-huh. crowds cheering these wrestlers on. So um, but yeah, um, because of that. Uh, new japan didn't run for you know a good portion of the year so new japan's not necessarily well represented on either of these lists i mean we sprinkle them in here and there but honestly besides the g1 and you know wrestle kingdom you know at the beginning of 2020 yeah that's all the you know new japan i saw unfortunately
1: no um it's been a long year without you know getting to see all those new japan matches uh but i mean g1 was still fantastic so, I mean, oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, no. And I, we, we, you know, on a show note, we have not seen Wrestle Kingdom yet. We'll be no. talking about that, you know, <laughs> probably next week or the week after that. We'll see. Because <laughs> we've got a lot of shit to get through right now. Um, but yeah, no, it, it looks like a fantastic show, though. So... Um, but yeah, no, let's go ahead and let's get into our countdown.
1: You want to talk about top matches first? Yeah, sure. Um, I want to start off with a match that's probably not too technical in wrestling, but had very good story. in it, And that would be uh, Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso at Clash of Champions. All right, that's a, that's
0: a damn good pick. Um, you know, and started a fantastic storyline that's still playing out today, so I...
1: Exactly, uh, gotta get into the, uh, the big dog, Roman Reigns.
0: <laughs> Head of the table now. I do not have any Roman matches on my list, but I will be talking about him later on. Um... So my uh, number ten pick, and we're doing top ten, correct? Yeah. So my number ten pick is going to actually be one of the Brody tribute matches um, from this past week. Um, Dynamite. Obviously, this match came about because of horrible circumstances, but this was probably one of the most moving matches I've actually seen. Um, it was the um, the match featuring the Dark Order um, with uh, Silver Reynolds and Hangman um, against the Inner Circle. I just thought this match was one, a fantastic just match in general, Mm -hmm. but there was so much emotion. I mean, everyone was wearing on their sleeves. There were so many great spots, everything with like negative one and MJF and just an exhilarating finish, whereas like, I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. So just a great way to honor a fantastic
1: person. Yeah. And that was the one with um, Eric in it, correct?
0: Yes. How could I forget? I mean, what a big moment to, you know, have Rowan out there. You know, Brody's longtime tag partner, a huge surprise. I mean, I popped watching it on my fucking couch, so I can't imagine being there live.
1: Oh, yes. Great I would like moment. to
0: see I would love to see them bring him in because I feel like he fits mm-hmm. and I feel like they would know what to do with him. And we know he can actually talk on the mic now. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I'm not saying <laughs> putting him on like, you know, putting him with like dark Order or anything. But I mean, you, there's no reason a big guy like that, you know, who can actually work shouldn't have a
1: job right now. Uh, Well, up next, I had Keith Lee versus Adam Cole at um, NXT's Great American Bash, where Keith Lee um, captured both titles. Uh, I thought that was a pretty great moment uh, for Keith Lee. Fortunately, it didn't go too far with him later on, Um, you know, but same time, I thought Uh, it was a fantastic moment in wrestling in general.
0: Yes, yes, for a match. um, And it felt at the time that they were just rocket strapping him, but um after this past raw you could see that they're totally in his fucking head now um and hopefully they haven't ruined him as a wrestler Uh so he just doesn't look the same and i think it's because they're trying to force like this you know change of style onto him um and we've talked about it plenty so i'm not going to waste more time here just bitching about it but we need the old keith lee back yes All right, so my number nine pick is the ladder match from Clash of Champions featuring Sami Zayn, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles. It's probably one of the most innovative ladder matches I've seen in quite a while. I love everything Sami Zayn pulls off in this match. I mean, the handcuffs through Jeff Hardy's ear. I mean, there's some fucking brutal spots. I mean, they laid everything on the line during this match, Um, you know, after seeing so many ladder matches, especially like in the kind of like the WWE style, they all start to look the same. This was something finally like different, um, you know, where they let them kind of like, you know,
1: I don't know, think outside of the box a little. So this match just really like stood out to me. I think Sammy's had like the most fun matches in WWE this fast past year in general. He's such a great heel. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: I mean, he's so unlikable, which is crazy because he was such a super baby face <laughs> before. So, I mean, I give all the credit in the world to Sami Zayn. Um, I just, I'm glad that they're using him right now. Yes. So, um, and hopefully they continue to do so
1: because you never know. All right, for my number eight, um, I had the Stadium Stampede match at Double or Nothing, which featured the Inner Circle versus Matt Hardy and the Elite. Very fun match. Definitely loved all the moments in the pool where he kept coming out as different versions of himself. Does that a lot in these in his types of matches. But I mean, just it felt like the a culmination of all those wild matches we were getting on WWE, but so much better <laughs> at the time.
0: Yes, yes. And I loved how creative they were, like yes. using the entire stadium. Like the barroom brawl that they had between Hager and uh Paige that was just kind of like all of a sudden in the middle of the match yes. It felt like this weird like <laughs> interlude. But it was fantastic and well done. Um, you know, it was, you know, pretty over the top comedy wise, but it worked well, you know. Um and it just it was really enter- it was one of the more entertaining, like, you know, forty five minutes, you know, of the year, honestly so my number eight pick is daniel bryan versus aj styles uh on smackdown uh june 12th so uh this was just a random smackdown show but daniel bryan and aj decided to remind us that they're two of the best wrestlers in the fucking world They uh, you know, to SmackDown's credit, to you know Vince's credit, uh, they allowed him to actually have a match, and it was great. <laughs> Probably one of the you know best matches without a you know audience, you know, the entire year because this was, I believe, this was before WWE started to do, you know, this was before like the Thunderdome or yeah. you know them having like an audience, you know, around um, the barricades and everything. So um, it was quiet, but it was a
1: fantastic match. No, I mean, those two are obviously a recipe for success in any But <laughs> field, it's funny so.
0: because we need reminders like this because of where they're working right now,
1: unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're only allowed to shine, you know, so often. Alright, for number seven, I had Omega versus Page at full gear. Uh it was the final match of the tournament, which it kind of it was kind of obvious at the beginning that we were going to get these two finally going at each other. Um Omega, you know, you know, kind of embracing a little bit more of that heel side that we've mm-hmm. been trying that uh, he's been like, you know, kind of going back and forth with at that point. Uh it was Yeah, that's was fun- when he
0: just got the entrance at that point. which was which is, <laughs> weird, which is fantastic run. and still uh, awesome. <laughs>
1: Uh, You know, I love both of these guys. Um, I really I I can only imagine, you know, how much further it can go if this if they decide to, like, push page again um, to defeat uh, Kenny Omega um, later down the road.
0: Right. That seems where they're going to end up, Hmm. you know, leading everything to eventually. Like, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but I feel like by the end of maybe this year you might get that rematch. And it feels like Paige is kind of being, I don't know, groomed to be the one to actually, you know, uncrown Omega eventually. So um, at least that's the way I see it. Uh, but yeah, no, cause he's everything he's doing with the dark order right now. Um, I feel like is going to just make him white hot again as a baby face. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that group has been like, you know, before everything happened, was completely beloved. You know, and I think we're going to see him eventually join that group, um, you know, and become part of that faction and, and really end up being just as hot as he was, you know, just like six months ago. Because I do feel like he kind of like cooled off mm-hmm. um, recently, but I don't know. I see another big like run for him coming soon.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's the type of long term booking I like to see.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the way you're supposed to do it. Uh huh. All right, so my number 7 pick is Moxley versus Suzuki, uh New Japan, new beginning. Uh this is just a match of two guys beating the hell out of each other and I loved every second of it. Uh Suzuki is my favorite fucking monster in the business. <laughs> I yes. would rather, you know, face off against The Undertaker, Kane, or The Fiend than like, you know, have to deal with Suzuki. So, I mean, <laughs> he's just <laughs> He's a scary old bastard. Um, just watching these two guys go at it
1: was super fun. I
0: can't recommend this match more.
1: I mean, if I were to make a film about the the Yakuza... I think that's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I were to make a film about the Yakuza, um, I'd probably put him as the boss of the game. Oh, absolutely.
0: He probably is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you got next,
1: Christian? Uh, my number six would be the Young Bucks versus FTR at full gear. The everyone's dream match finally come true. Um, I think the only reason it isn't like a little bit higher on my list is because there were certain little moments where I know both of these guys, like both these groups, can work better together. Uh, this, But at the same time, you know, this is something that we have dreamed about for ages. And we got to see these two groups that have so much chemistry in the ring actually go at it. No, I agree. Uh that match is also
0: on my list, but not at this spot. Um okay. my number six uh match is Edge versus Orton. Um ironically, the greatest wrestling match of all time, <laughs> I believe is how they're pushing this. Sure. Um it was a damn good match though, regardless of that horrible marketing. Mm. Um I really enjoyed this match. I mean, it was definitely redemption for everything that happened at WrestleMania, that like 50 minute snooze fest. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I love this match and hopefully time is kind to it because there are some goofy cinematic moments here and there, but
1: it's still a fucking fun match. Um, for my number five, I had Orange Cassidy versus Pac at revolution and it's mostly just because i was actually fucking there and got to see it uh you know it was a phenomenal match um phenomenal crowd reaction um you know ton- i love orange cassidy as a wrestler so it's just being able to be there and see that type of reaction for him uh, was definitely worthwhile well and then too timeline wise that's
0: really when orange started to come out of his shell and yes. everyone started realizing what a great wrestler he was mm-hmm. Because people weren't like in on the secret at that point. So that was, uh, you know, a lot of fun to watch, you know, the the crowd react to him like really, you know, being able to hold his own against Pac.
1: Who is absolutely a beast of a wrestler. And I'm happy that he's yes. finally back as well. Yes, yes, yes.
0: My number five pick is Shingo versus Osprey from uh, G1 Climax this year. Uh, This was Osprey, you know, really breaking into the heavyweight division yes. and showing you what he can fucking do. So this is I, I felt like it was kind of like his coming out party. Um, And the fact that he's still like amazing, <laughs> even at a bigger weight is just, I mean, unbelievable to me because he didn't really lose a step at all. And no. He, he must have put on a good like, I don't know, 20, 30 pounds. It <laughs> yes. looks like he was huge. So, and then Shingo he doesn't have bad matches no you know usually he's stealing the card so this was a hell of a matchup i mean i think it was probably the best match of g1 um but i don't have the card in front of me but it's the one match that definitely like you know stands out to me
1: um uh, for my number four i had the eight man tag um uh, that was at fighter fest um between blade butcher pentagon and ray phoenix versus the Bucks and FTR. We finally got to see the Young Bucks and FTR team up and work together. It was like our first time with them in the ring on television, and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, they had great chemistry
0: together. Yes. Like the way crazy. they worked the corner, thing, That was That was really awesome. So um, I, I enjoyed that match, um, and it almost made my list. So um, my number four pick is actually FTR versus the Bucks from Full Gear. Um, Ah, I think you pretty much said everything that can be said about this match, just great storytelling and fantastic selling in the ring too, Mm -hmm. especially from, you know, Matt Jackson, who was legitimately hurt though, but I mean, he was, (laughs) he was working it too. I mean, I love the ending with the, you know, FTR, you know, actually, you know, trying to do some high flying moves and it actually costing them the match. Um, and I can't wait for these guys to meet in the future.
1: All right, for my number three, I have move versus Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Um, just like you said earlier, you know, Will Ospreay has been phenomenal this year in general. And I can't personally wait to watch the match that already happened with Okada versus um, Ospreay. But yes, move. Um, this was like a huge moment for him coming back to fight Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom um, after injury and everything. I thought this was a phenomenal match to watch. Uh, definitely worth watching. So I'm going to
0: go ahead and piggyback off of your pick because this is actually my number three pick also. Um, I feel like Hiramu, like he has the potential to be the biggest star in New Japan.
1: In wrestling. (laughs) Yes.
0: Well, I don't know about the States, but I mean, in New Japan at least, you know, for hardcore fans, yes. I feel like the only thing holding him back is the fact that he's labeled as a junior heavyweight at this point, you know, and I, I still don't even understand their weight class. In New Japan. And honestly, it feels like they're more going by style than anything. Because uh-huh. he doesn't seem like he's that light of a guy to me. You know? It's like He's maybe like a sandwich away from being a heavyweight. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> but he's got so much charisma. He's uh-huh. so fantastic in the ring. As long as he doesn't kill himself first, you know, I feel like sky's the limit. And
1: this this match was proof of that. I feel like it's coming very soon that he's going to be joining the heavyweight division like i feel like it's any day now well, that they'll actually with, with shingo and awesome uh-huh. finally moving up i feel
0: like they're more i don't know willing to do so than they have in the past yes because if you remember i mean the bucks for years were like lobbying you know new japan to mm. be you know pushed up to the heavyweight ranks um so i mean I think they've gotten out of that mindset and now they're more willing to, you know, let these guys, you know, meet their full potential. Not that there's anything wrong with the junior heavyweight division, but I still feel like even New Japan treats them as lesser than.
1: Yes. All right. For my number two, I had Naito versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 14, where Naito finally Finally, after all this time, after all this pain and suffering I had to go through waiting, he finally (laughs) became the double champion uh, defeating Okada. I thought this was just the biggest moment ever because I'm a huge Naito fan. Of course, Uh, I absolutely loved every moment except for the ending in which he did not get to do the big celebration that we all know that he's been preaching about forever, you know, getting everyone in the ring. Uh, I don't know why they decided to go against it, Um, and even what they did with Kenta afterwards, um, after the ambush, it was just kind of,
0: I don't know, it felt like it went nowhere, Yeah. now, I mean, (laughs) they did all of a sudden go go into lockdown, and they went into lockdown way before us, um, because they're smarter than us, Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think all his momentum just got completely, like, taken away from him, you know, by that moment with Kenta, and then just everything that's happened this year with the pandemic, So it's unfortunate. It sucks. Um, You know, I felt like he kind of started to regain momentum at, you know, the end, right before, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. But, you know, it's just it's not the reign, the title reign that I was expecting from him. Yes. All right. So my number two pick is actually from a show that I don't really even watch (laughs) very often. And that's uh, NXT UK. It's Walter vs. Dragunov. Um, this was one of the most hard-hitting, grueling matches I have seen in a long time. I mean, these guys beat the shit out of each other, um, and the selling by Off was amazing. I think because it was real, that's why. <laughs> but, like, because he was, I mean, he just, he's the perfect skin tone for uh-huh. uh, Walter to go up against. Because <laughs> literally every time Walter touched him, you could see it on his flesh. So, I mean, the little specks of blood were, like, showing up right away. I mean, this is the kind of match that we just don't get enough of. I mean, for me, at least. I mean, I guess it's subjective. But, I mean, I don't know. I I really love the way it was constructed. I love that, you know, for a a few fleeting moments, you actually felt like Dragonoff was going to win. You know, I only really knew Walter at this point. So, um, but, you know, I became a fan of Dragonoff after this match. All
1: right. Here we are at number one. I had Bucks versus Kenny and Paige at AEW Revolution. And Christian, guess what? I also have
0: the Bucks versus Kenny and Hangman at Perfect. Revolution. <laughs> so um, this is, bar none, the best tag team match I've probably ever seen. Um, I I didn't have like those expe- expectations going into this match. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew it was going to be a damn good match, but... My God, I mean, they put it all out there. I mean, such great storytelling, you know, everything worked, everything, you know, flowed together. These guys know each other so well, so I guess we shouldn't really be surprised. But I mean, my God, I love this match.
1: No, yeah, these four just click so well. And I mean, added bonus, I was actually there, as I said before, and it was fucking awesome to actually watch these guys do this. That's quite a feather like yes. in your cap, though, because, <laughs> I mean,
0: I'm not alone in saying this is one of the best tag matches of all time.
1: I mean, a lot of people are saying that, and the fact mm-hmm. that you got to watch it live, that's awesome. It was a very last minute, like, hey, I have so much money left, let's just buy these tickets. This was after <laughs> C2E2, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I remember.
0: <laughs> but good for you, man. I mean... Yes. It pays off to be spontaneous once in a while. So yes,
1: <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy that I was actually there, um, and I'm happy that I was, you know, this was such a great match to be around, um, you know, and it was kind of like first inkling of like Kenny and Paige's you know, like feud that they're going to have in the future. It's kind of like one of those big kickoff moments for their um, storyline. Yes, yes,
0: yes. Um, I think my only real regret is that we never got a rematch. Yes. So um, <laughs> and maybe you know we talked about. The payoff for everything that we've been seeing storyline wise for the over the past year is Hangman, you know, eventually defeating Omega for the title. But maybe the actual payoff is you know that happening, and then the next chapter where Hangman and Kenny eventually reteam together. So because I could see that also happening like down the line, you know, them getting back together. Because I mean, it's a tag team that you never knew you really wanted until it actually happened. And, like, how, I don't know, just how well their chemistry worked, like, together in the ring. It just feels like the organic, like, conclusion of their, like, two storylines will eventually see them reteam again and have it be, like, a big moment. So, um, but yes, definitely, for me, the match of the year.
1: All right, well, let's talk about Wrestler of the Year.
0: Yes, and this is going to, like, the performance that we feel like had, like, the best overall year. So that yes. means, like, in the ring, on the mic... Um, so, you know, the people that we watched over the years that we just felt like had, you know, the best overall year as a performer. Uh,
1: one that I definitely thought deserves to be on this list, but, you know, might not be traditionally considered might would be Eddie Kingston. Um, I thought he did absolutely amazing with all of his promos throughout the entire year. And, uh, even like match work wise, I thought, you know, he came out and impressed more than I definitely expected him to on AEW. No, he had that great match against, you know,
0: Moxley. And yes. then he also had that fantastic match at, against uh, Cody when he debuted first. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with that. And like you said, I mean, I don't know if he's got to be at least like top five on the mic right now in yes. wrestling. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he's not your traditional like, you know, top 10 pick, but it's well deserving. So I agree. Now he's not on my list, but <laughs> he definitely gets, you know, an honorable mention from yeah. me. Because, like, I mean, he, think about it. He actually sold us on a match that we already saw, you know, yes. with um, Moxley and him. Because mm-hmm. that became a TV match due to, like, unfortunate circumstances. Um, and then, you know, they got us hyped up again for a pay-per-view match just, like, a month or two later. So that that's saying a lot. So my number 10 pick is actually Drew McIntyre. Uh, he's the most consistent thing mm-hmm. that the WWE has been offering us all year and he's probably one of the most over baby faces in the business and he feels like the last true baby face standing honestly um you know i mean there's been a few bumps in the road but they've pretty much like consistently booked him strong so and i love that he finally got that wrestlemania moment and you know Handled it with such grace, especially with like the incredibly awful circumstances yes. <laughs> that he's been put in. I, I'm just hoping that he gets another moment like that when, you know, the crowd is back. So... um you know, but we'll see. But, you know, of course, I'm saying this and he's going to get like speared by Goldberg in like two minutes at the next
1: pay-per-view and <laughs> lose the belt. <laughs> don't say that, David, please. <laughs> don't hurt my feelings. Oh, uh, my God. Um, <laughs> when I saw that shit take
0: place, I was like, no, why? Why, Vince? Why? But it's okay. It's
1: okay. <laughs> it's not okay. know um, it's not. <laughs> but, I, but we got to get through the show. Yes. Um. Yeah, speaking of consistent, um, consistently great moments, I think Io Shirai has held her place in the NXT Women's Division quite well this entire year. Uh, you know, being champion has really suited her. <laughs> um, and I yes. definitely think all the moments that she's had have been fantastic. There's just been, you know, kind of lackluster stories here and there for her. Yeah. The, you know, it's her ring work that's carried mm-hmm. her through.
0: She's also my number nine pick. Um, And she's put on the best matches, I think, uh, overall as a performer in NXT. You're guaranteed that it's going to be a great fucking match. Yes. You know, the in the house match with her diving off the house and everything i mean she always ends up stealing the show in some way or fashion now am i a little upset and annoyed that it feels like character wise they just kind of switched her to a face out of nowhere because i was really digging the weird girl thing that they (laughs) had going with her and it's still kind of there um i'd like to see that darker side of her again though um but yeah no she is well deserving of this countdown
1: uh, up next, I had Orton, of all people, uh, one that I probably wouldn't have put on my list any other year. But I mean, this year, I think he's been holding up the company with, you know, his ability in the ring and ability to you know sell whatever storyline they're trying to throw at him because he's been put in some some pretty shitty scenarios. But at the same time, he's still, yeah. you know, he's out there being the predator that he can be. Uh, you know, and usually, you know, when it comes to Orton, we usually consider him like if he cares he, he'll put in you know the effort and when he doesn't you can really tell but i mean it feels like he's really been putting in the work this entire year and i can appreciate him for that reason
0: he feels motivated yes he feels actually motivated so i agree because there's definitely been years where he hasn't felt that way mm. so i agree so my number eight pick is roman reigns um he has had a reinvention if you will um and i've loved every second of it like this like chief this high chief character uh-huh. is fucking money and i think it's probably one of the best things wwe's done in a long time and just think about all the years they fucking wasted pushing yes. this guy as a white meat baby face when this was like you know, potentially there the entire time because this is the best Roman we've ever seen. He just feels so fucking cold-blooded. And I love that it's unique and different, something that you didn't see coming. Um, so, and just having, like, you know, Heyman in his corner, you know, and then, you know, his cousin Jay and, like, their whole feud and everything, I just, I, I can't wait to see where they take this character and how far they're willing to go. I mean, it's it sucks because of the situation we're in right now, because it felt like the natural progression of the story would see him face off against The Rock, which mm-hmm. is something that... Six months ago, like if you told me that was like in the WrestleMania plans, I would say, oh, fuck. I uh-huh. don't see that. <laughs> you know, like when they're pushing that like Fast and Furious movie that yes. he was in, you know, for a short period of time, it really Oh, I, they never came out. Right. Or did they come out? Hobbs and Shaw. I think Hobbs and Shaw
1: came out. Was that Hobbs and Shaw? OK, yeah. I'm getting them mixed up. <laughs> I mean, that's still um, the Fast and Furious universe. Yeah. OK, good, good. All right. So, but yes. <laughs> I don't watch those fucking movies. But, but, you know,
0: when that whole like promotion of that movie was going around, that was the rumor that was happening. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah, we're getting everyone kind of like moaned inside. But now it feels fucking perfect. You know, it fits their storyline and their family dynamics. So, you know, I I can't wait to see that eventually happen. Hopefully WWE is actually
1: patient enough to pull that off. All right, well my number 7 was Bailey. I think Bailey has been a great heel this entire time. Um, you know, I <laughs> It was definitely something I like, kind of scoffed at when she first came heel. Like I was like happy for her, but I didn't know if w if I could trust WWE to do anything worthwhile with her as a character in the heel position. And it took a little while for her to get her, you know, her, her reins on it. But at the same time, I mean, what she has now, what she presents as the character, it's it's entertainment every time. Like every time I see any clip of her from SmackDown or any time I see her on a pay per view, I it, she like steals the moments that she's in at least. Um, she I, is so fucking obnoxious. Yes, it's great.
0: <laughs> She's my favorite kind of heel, where she's just completely unlikable. Uh-huh.
1: No, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's those moments where she's just shouting at Michael Cole for like twenty minutes on the side of the <laughs> ring while anyone's in the ring. It's great. It's great.
0: Like on top of the fucking announce desk too, half uh-huh. the time. So, um, all right. So my number seven pick is the young bucks um you know obviously if you you just heard the fucking you know top 10 you know matches of the year they took two of the top 5 spots yes. but i think the only reason they're not ranked higher is because of the lack of real storylines for them um and the storylines that they did have for them i thought was a little just i don't know i just i don't know it, it felt flat for me like the whole fake like heel turn and well i mean i guess tonight they possibly could have actually turned heel as we're recording this but we'll see i feel like there's probably a few layers to that storyline too hmm. um but i just i don't know i i wanted more from them storyline wise but they consistently especially when they're they're especially when they're in that like opening match I just always feel like, I don't know, this like warm comfort of knowing that Dynamite is going to be great <laughs> like <laughs> that night because that feels like the trend for uh-huh. me because they just always have fantastic matches.
1: I mean, I share that same sentiment because they're my number six. Um, you know, when they that. are on when they are on screen, it's awesome. I mean, every time they're in the ring. You're, you're expecting something amazing to happen. And, I mean, who could forget that being the elite match between the two of them as well. <laughs> Tons of fun. <laughs> Tons of fun there. For episode 100, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like the barbershop. Yeah, um, uh, oh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was a great match, too. Maybe they should be higher on my list. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> I think I just want to see more of the personality that we get on, like, being the lead actually on Dynamite.
1: Yeah, they you know, do. But it, um, they do, like, do a lot more character stuff with them on the actual their show that they put on YouTube. So it's it's kind of weird that they don't you know, that doesn't translate all the time to the actual program that they've you know built off of being the elite.
0: And I appreciate them, like, putting younger talent out there Mm -hmm. up front and really building them. And I think part of it's, like, them probably feeling like they're the more established talent. But still, there's still a a big audience that has never seen them before, you know, until, like, Dynamite started. So, I don't know. I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them have a legit heel run and be, like, the obnoxious punks that we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. All right, so my number six pick is Adam Cole. Um, he is, along with EO, the most consistent thing on NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, every match of his is a must-watch, uh, and I don't know. I feel like he's carried that brand for over two years now, so he deserves all the credit in the world, um, you know, for keeping that thing afloat. And he was even able to, like, you know make something out of those matches he had with, like, Pat McAfee. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. McAfee obviously is an athlete and, you know, was pretty talented in the ring. But that's still Adam Cole carrying that fucking yes. match. So, I mean, all the credit in the world to Adam Cole.
1: Um And I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like without him in NXT at some point. Because he's got to be going up any day. I hope he never goes up. Oh, yeah. Me too. But... <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope
0: they just keep him, hide him in NXT <laughs> until Vince either retires or, like, God forbid, passes away. Just... And then they allow him to go up because they're going to do absolutely nothing with him. Uh-huh. Nothing. You know, Vince is going to say, like, hey, who's this little guy? Like, you know right away, like, uh-huh. he's dead in the water. I mean, Keith Lee. <laughs> Keith fucking Lee, who feels like the template for, you know, a McMahon
1: guy. Yes. Can't
0: get over with him. So, I mean, I don't know. The, the old man is too fucking finicky nowadays.
1: All right. For my number five, I have John Moxley. Um, you know, just like I said for Eddie Kingston, you know, he is an incredible promo. But at the same time, he is he was the champion all fucking year long. And he put on a champion worthy match every single time. So you have to give him credit for that. I mean, I haven't liked all the storylines he's been in, but at the same time, I still have loved every single match he's had. No, I agree. And actually, Moxley is my number five pick
0: also. Oh, okay. Um, just because I think like work rate wise, he's been like the most like consistent, yes. Um, you know, always having, you know, good to great matches and just the mic. I feel like he's really just come like into his own as a character. And like, we're seeing the best of Moxley right now. I mean, next to Kingston, he's probably, and Cody, he's probably the best promo in AEW.
1: All right. And for my number four, since I, and I kept my mouth shut while you were saying it, uh, Roman Reigns, I mean, Jesus, this is something we've needed in WWE for so long. And I mean, we saw inklings of this type of character from Roman Reigns, On those NXT days. Um, And, you know, it was something that we all knew it was a slight, like, he was kind of capable of if they just nurtured it in the right way. And the fact that they tried to, you know, super Cena him the entire time was just ridiculous. I mean, God, has it been refreshing to see Roman Reigns as a heel? um, And everything that they've been doing with the family storyline, like you said earlier. I mean, just, like, he has, like, become the definitive bad guy of WWE. And I like I'm so even with like the crazy fiend running around who can like light things on fire with his mind you know it's we have this like just human being who is just the bad guy of wrestling right now and i yeah. think that's so great to see roman reigns in this position oh he feels 10 times scarier than me. yes <laughs> right
0: <laughs> he feels like he would drop you you know on a dime so it, i just i love everything that he's done i just once again like I get so frustrated just thinking about all those years we wasted yes. with him. Like them trying to like, <laughs> you know, shove him into this like, you know, John Cena like mold, you know, and try to make him someone that he's not when we could have been having this the entire time. It's just crazy to think about. All right. So for my number four pick, I am kind of cheating. Uh I'm gonna say Bailey and Sasha. Um, Them as a tag team, Ah. they were literally the best thing on WWE TV for months, especially the first half of the year. Those two working together, um, you know, just as this like, you know, heel faction, even though there's two of them, they just felt like they dominated the entire show and the show was better for it. So it reminded me of, you know, like, you know, Shawn Michaels in Triple H in the early, like, DX days. <laughs> um, just, you know, incredibly entertaining to watch. Bailey has just come into her own as this, like, you know, heel character and everything. The way that they worked together was amazing. And you got, you know, great tag matches, a lot of great tag matches out of it. I'm not a big fan of how their storyline, you know, after they finally started to feud um, kind of just like faded away into nothing for no reason. Uh, but it was fun while it lasted. And I feel
1: like there's potential for more down the road. All right. Uh, my number three was the man himself, Cody. Um, you know, picking up the TNT championship and just running wild all year long uh, has been great for him. I mean, Cody's just that type of, um, you know, superstar that can. You know, make you believe in any storyline that he's in i mean he's he's so good on the fucking mic and he's so good in the ring and just like he puts over like every single talent that like comes in even if he's going over i mean it's just been just been one hell of a year with cody um and you know i i do like i do hope to see him as my number one again at some point because i feel like you know it, this has been less of a year for him than the previous year. I mean, that's not saying, I mean, he's number 3 on my list. I mean, he's still like super up there, but I mean, last year compared to um 2020, uh 2019, I would say, I would say he was way, you know, higher in the ranks and they had a lot more going on with him. I mean, he has been taking breaks. I mean, he does have to now take another break t- uh to be with his wife uh, <laughs> during uh, maternity leave, but we we do hope uh we do hope to see him come back and just, you know, raise back up through the ranks, get the championship and maybe even go up against Omega at some point. Um, I do see that as a big feud happening, but I don't see him beating Omega for the title.
0: I don't see him going getting a title shot, honestly. I feel like they're gonna stay true to that, you know, that stipulation that they have. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I'm out of I'm not a fan of the stipulation, but you know it is what it is. They haven't broken it yet, mm-hmm. and I don't think they plan on breaking it for quite some time.
1: So Yeah, they'll make um, a bigger moment like, out of that then.
0: Well, I think you'll see it'll be a heel Cody breaking it, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that they can rationally do it. All right, so my number three pick was uh, Will Ospreay. Um, And he'd probably be a little higher on my list um, because I feel like in the ring, he's probably the best wrestler in the Mm. world right now. But I just haven't seen enough of him this year just because of the circumstances that we talked about prior. Um, So – and I haven't necessarily been completely sold – On like this heel turn that's taken place, you know, with the empire and everything like that. And I think it's weird that they lost all of their matches at Wrestle Kingdom. That's strange. Um, But, you know, it's New Japan, so they always play the long game. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know. I, I just ring work wise. Like I said, he's the best in the world, I feel like, Um, you know, especially with the extra weight on him. The Mm. fact that he's still able to move the way he does is amazing to me. Um, I just want to see what's to come of this, like, you know, new character that he's portraying.
1: No, I agree. I feel like he can go fucking nuclear at any moment. They just have to push Mm -hmm. him in the right way. Exactly. Uh, For my number two, I actually put Kota Ibushi um, as, you know, his performance in the G1 was just... Again, unstoppable and undeniable. I mean, what was he calling himself again? Like the the undeniable God or something like that, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> God was in there. Uh-huh. God was definitely <laughs> in there. Um, I just think that you know he's worth everything that they've put into him in New Japan, um, and I I wish that we had been able to see him more this year. Um, you know, I feel like he'd be even higher up if uh, we had put him, you know, got to see six months of him wrestling and going up against challengers and stuff like that. You know, it's interesting to see where he goes in this next year now as a uh, as a champion. <laughs> All right. So
0: my number two pick is Cody. Um, I do actually think this was his best year. Um, Even over last year where he, you know, got to compete for the world title, I feel like, you know, everything that he did with that TNT belt was really special. I love the fact that he was defending it every week for a period of time on Dynamite. Um, And he told a great story with that belt and he was able to really, like, you know, put over, you know, younger talent. Even with them losing, you know, he was able to really make them, which is saying a lot, Um, you know, and it's probably one of the best traits any wrestler could have. So, um, but yeah, no, he's, he's one of the best on the fucking mic. And I love that he has kind of a dark side to him at the same time. There's layers to his character, you know, just because he's kind of a baby face right now, doesn't mean that that layer of, you know, I don't know, heel isn't still there, you know, and it comes out once in a while. So, and that always makes you second guess, like, you know, whose side Mm -hmm. is he really on? What's he going to do next? It makes him feel
1: unpredictable. So, um, yeah, no, number two has got to be covered. Well, speaking of potentially unpredictable heels, we finally got a heel in Kenny Omega, who is my number one pick for wrestler of the year this year. Um, I think Kenny, you know, started off this year a little slow. You know, he, you know, he's still put on phenomenal matches. He was in phenomenal stories. Everything we got with Paige, unbelievable. But now what we're getting with him, um, finally getting the cleaner back, um, and everything like that is, has been I don't know. I don't have the the positive word to describe it at this point. Uh, you know, it's just so good to see him finally back in his heel form. Everything we're getting, like the fact that they've gotten me intrigued in watching Impact just because, you know, he's bouncing around to different shows. I mean, that's a statement in its own. And, you know, I think the storyline I most want to see if he's doing this whole collector persona. Now that Kota Ibushi is IWGP champion, I can only imagine the type of match we could possibly see with these two um in the future. If if this is something that's allowed to happen, who knows? I have no idea how these contracts work. Um yeah, it's a serious fantasy <laughs> exactly. book. You're doing it there, buddy. <laughs> but it's my dream at this point. But I
0: I totally hear you. Um, you know, he he congratulated him on uh Twitter the other day when uh you know Bushi won the titles. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But yeah, no. Um all right. Well, actually, Christian, Kenny Omega is my number one pick also. As he should no be. No big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> no big surprise. But um, honestly, if you told me that like, I don't know, four or five months ago, I might have argued with you. So it really has to do with the evolution of the character that we've seen him go on over the past like couple months. Um, you know, with you know, the storyline between him and Paige coming into fruition and just the fact that, you know, oh, he's really gone through this like metamorphosis, you know, over the last couple of months, you know, turning himself into this, you know, heel character, t- turning himself back into the cleaner. So something that we've all wanted to see for years now, honestly. Um, so I-, I-, I love everything. I love the entrance. I mean, I love what he's doing with Callus. It feels very old school wrestling to me too mm. like his promos um feels very like nwa um which I who knows maybe he'll show up on there uh, but yeah now something about i don't know the pres- the presentation like him being like the ultimate champion uh-huh. um you know i love seeing so and just the attitude and swagger i guess but like regardless i feel like we we're finally getting the omega we
1: all wanted and deserve Goddamn yes it. absolutely <laughs> so All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Kenny Omega is our number one wrestler of the year. If you disagree with this or have any other ideas of who should be the number one wrestler or the number one of of any of our other lists, let us know in the comments below or find us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show and let us know there. All right. But before we head out, make sure to head over to drama where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right. And if
0: you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate and give us a five star review. Yeah,
1: it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going.
0: And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and see the full versions of these articles plus a whole lot more.
1: Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture.
0: Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts,
1: I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? All right, Christian, we're going to be talking
0: horror. Uh, We're going to be doing our 2021 horror preview show. We're just to be taking a look of everything that's happening in the world of horror for the year. So go ahead and join us then.
1: Yes, because, you know, horror got us through 2020. So I expect the same for 2021.
0: I mean, most likely, hopefully some of these films actually get to come out this
1: year. Yeah, exactly. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Who's it gonna be? He's thinking of me? No, no way. Oh my! You gotta be
0: kidding me. The Rated R Superstar!